Well, this morning I want to continue a look at this uh, joy that God desires for us to experience. God wants us to walk in joy. God wants us to be people of joy. Uh, God wants us, no matter what is happening in the world around us, to be the light of joy to others around us, uh, to those that we come in contact with. Uh, may just be in your neighborhood. I know where, uh, if you're a, a stay at home, you, you haven't been out a lot, you know what? Go out in your yard, maybe even go knock on the door and, and uh, just say hi to a neighbor and meet a neighbor and encourage someone. Uh, whether you, it's at work um, uh, or, or wherever you are, um, God wants us to have a joy. Uh, we are not to be spending this time uh, in, in criticism, in uh, argument, in worry or fear, uh, but take that opportunity uh, to lift up our eyes and look to God and experience his joy. So we're studying the book of Philippians, as Paul just expresses his joy um, uh, to a church that uh, he had founded and was praying for, and he wanted to encourage them uh, to experience the same joy. And so he wrote this letter to them, and, and we are uh, reading it and studying it and letting his words uh, not only uh, be a uh, history of what he wrote to them, but it is a letter to us. And, and so let's pick it up and, and let's go ahead and, and we're going to start with the first verse again in, in chapter one, Philippians chapter one, and um, we'll read down uh, to verse 11 today. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you all in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So we see this joy that is just coming out of Paul as he prays for them, as he remembers them, as he uh, simply thinks on what God has done and what God is going to do. It, it, it just fills him with excitement and joy. And all of this time, he is in prison. Uh, he's in chains. 
um, he is locked away, uh, not able to do what his heart would long to do, which is to uh, travel and share the gospel and plant churches. But instead, he's locked away, and yet still, that has not stolen his joy. And you see, that's why I, I think this is so important today that we get this message, because no matter what we are going through, even in this lockdown, even in this uh, stay-at-home order, uh, no matter to what degree you are isolated, you need to have the same joy that Paul has. You should be filled with the same excitement as we read this, can you feel the excitement that Paul had? He said, just thinking of you excites me because I know that God is still at work even in the midst of this prison cell experience that I'm going through. And we need to know the same thing. Um, so today, I want to pick up those last few verses that we saw where Paul turns to not only letting them know about his joy, uh, not only letting them know how much they have encouraged him, but now he says, I am going to pray for you. I pray that you would experience joy. And he gives them um, the uh, outline of where this joy comes from. So uh, just real quick, let's read it again. It says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent, be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So let's look, we're going to look at this backwards. We're going to look at the first part, the, the second part, and then we're going to look back at the first as this prayer that Paul prays for them, he reveals what he wants to happen in their life. He says, this is, this is what I want to see in your life because if you have this, this is the source of joy. You're going to have joy if you have these things. The, the first thing, and, and um, you can uh, uh, write these uh, five things, five things that brings joy that Paul wants to see happen in their life. The first thing uh, he says is that um, uh, you may, in verse 10, that you may approve what is excellent. He said, man, I want you to be able to approve what is excellent. Because when you are able to do this, you're going to have joy. Now, what does that mean? To approve what is excellent. The word there for approve is uh, dokimazo. In Greek, dokimazo is a word that means not only to approve, but to discern, to, uh, to be able to see, okay, uh, that you have the ability to see or discern, and discern means to tell the difference from, uh, from what is excellent. Um, uh, a good way to look at that word is a word that you would use in finances or in a business term that when you have the ability to tell the difference between a counterfeit and the real thing. Like when someone comes and brings you a $100 bill, you have the ability to look at it and say, that is worth $100 or that's not worth anything. That's a fake. You see, 
That's what it means to be able to approve it. I approve this. This has value. I can see the value in that. And so therefore, I can uh, uh, discern what is really good and I can bring that into my life. Paul says, joy comes from being able to know what is really valuable. You see, I just want you to know what is really important in life. When you begin to see what's really important in life, you can finally walk in joy. Because see, the problem is, the things that steal our joy, the things that causes worry uh, or fear, are usually things that are not important. It's because we get focused on the things in life that are not excellent. And in fact, they don't really matter. Now, I'm not saying they may be a big deal, and they may be something that we're really dealing with, but just because it's a big deal doesn't mean that it matters in the whole scheme of our life. Paul was in prison. That was a big deal. But you know what? He said, this really doesn't matter. This is not what's important in life. In other words, my personal comfort and convenience is not what's important. That's not where my joy is. My joy is in other things that are way more important. You know what? I may not be very comfortable but I can see God is moving in your life and in the world. And so I have joy just thinking about what God is doing. And I pray that you would be able to see what's really important. If we could just see what's really important in life, um, uh, uh, whether it is things in our family, we get, we get so caught up in little things that maybe someone else does or what we're going through in the family or what we have to... You know, he's saying, learn to find out that you can put that aside. Don't worry about it. That's not a big, it'll work itself out. There's, there's things that you can put your energy towards that are much more important than worrying about these little things. So, so he says, joy comes from this ability to approve what's excellent. And he says, I pray that you would be able to do that. Because when you can do that, you're not going to get caught up in things that just trip you up and still, you know, it's like, I see so many people so worried about what the governor is doing and what we can't do. That does not matter. Don't get caught up in that. All it does is it just becomes noise in our social media. There are other things that are more important than whether the church is coming in person or being streamed online. That doesn't matter. What's important is that we're still connecting with one another. We're still the church. We're still worshiping God. God is still going out and touching others. And in fact, we can worship God. There's something even more important. There's people that may be hearing the message of God's love that never would have heard it before. So instead of complaining about these things, they, they seem like big things. But Paul says, I pray that you can be, be able to tell the difference and begin to approve what's really important. Not only that, but he says um, that I pray that you will be able to approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Two things. First of all, he says that you might be pure. Because when you become pure, again, it just, it just eliminates worry. It eliminates focusing on things that don't matter. And it frees you up. It frees you up to be who God has called you to be without focusing on yourself. Uh, the word here uh, for pure is, um, 
Ilycrinus. Ilycrinus um, is this purity um, to be able um, uh, to show forth uh, in the light of day what is really there. Um, in other words, there is a purity of, it kind of goes from what we said, that the only things that matter, the important things will be revealed. And, and the, um, uh, the impurities um, will, will be pushed aside, um, that, that they uh, will not be held on to, um, but there will be a refining um, so that uh, uh, when you truly look close, everything's okay. That's what the purity is, that, that the blemishes are taken care of. Um, uh, you see, he says, I pray that, that you are able to be pure. Um, a good example of this um, is think about, your, if you think about your teenage years, maybe some of you watching are teenagers, and so you know what this is. Maybe you have a date um, or a, uh, an important uh, uh, party that you're going to with all your friends. And uh, you know what? You just want to look your best. And you know that feeling of waking up that morning and you have that big blemish, that spot right there of all the days to get the biggest pimple. It's the day that you have your date, um, that you're going to go be with that special person, and it just destroys you, right? You do everything you can to cover it up, to get rid of it. So I don't want to look like that. Or you have the worst hair day. And, and how does that make you feel? You begin to be on edge, you know, because you just feel, you feel blemished. But Paul says, I pray that you understand that you are pure, that in Christ, you can experience the purity of Christ. Because it's not about something that you can do, but when you begin uh, to let Christ have its work in your heart, it is like waking up that day, going to the mirror, and man, you have the best day, no blemishes, uh, your hair is perfect that day, you wake up, you almost don't even need to comb it. Nowadays, uh, mine is crazy in the mornings, but that purity, it frees you up. How do you feel if that was to happen? Man, you feel like I'm ready for this. I feel good about myself. And when you feel good about yourself, there is a joy, there's a freedom to be able to enjoy um, what you're going to do. And you see, that's what Paul says. I pray that you would experience the purity of Christ that you can let go of the things, stop looking at your blemishes and realize that God has covered them, okay? It's like the best makeup that you could ever have. Um, you need to realize that God has covered all your blemishes. And yes, we still make mistakes, but he's covered it. And here's the great thing. When you stand before God, you can have freedom to know that you are not gonna embarrass yourself. But God has given you a purity that does not come from your own works, but it comes from your trust in Christ. And so there's a joy 
There's a joy knowing that God has made me pure. I don't have to worry. I don't have to constantly be in the mirror of, oh my goodness, is this going to happen? Is this? I can relax and enjoy. So he says, I pray that, that you would be pure. And then not only pure, but that you would be blameless. Um, now, the word blameless there is not um, uh, to be perfect. Uh, it is the word uh, proskopto. Proskopto, um, it, it has to do with um, uh, not stubbing your toe. It, it, it means to, to, to strike your toe on something, to trip on something. But to be blameless is to be free from that tripping. Um, and it, it brings us back to what Paul talks about um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 32. Uh, and if we go to chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. And also in Romans chapter 14, verse 20, it says this, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food, for all food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. Um, so this word to be blameless means that you uh, are not the cause of harm for someone else. Paul says, I pray that you would um, experience a life where you do not feel the guilt of blame for someone else. Um, we know that uh, there is a feeling uh, of worry and doubt. You know, am I going to uh, uh, trip someone else up? If we love God, we want to be the best example for God. We don't want to be the cause of someone else being hurt. And so there is joy knowing that when you stand before God, you do not have to worry about being blamed by someone else. In other words, I pray that you would walk in good fellowship with your fellow man and that, that you uh, uh, will have relationships with your friends, with your family in such a way that you do not have the burden of blame. Um, and, and that comes from a release of bitterness um, that comes from forgiveness, uh, not only of others, but of yourself. And again, God wants to release you from those things um, to give you a sense of blamelessness, um, that, that you are not the cause of anyone else to be hurt. And I know we say, well, man, there's things that I've already done and maybe I've done in the past I can't let go. But here's the awesome thing of God. Again, this does not come from us. The blamelessness of God comes from what Jesus did. And this is what he says. He says that, that he has reconciled the world through his death. That when he died for us, and if we just humble ourselves before the cross and, and say, Jesus I believe that you died for me. It says that 
He is the one that will reconcile you um, with those around you. Um, and as we walk in, in a trust of Jesus, he um, will guide us and lead us into a life that is blameless. Now, here's the thing. It does not mean that there will never be an offense. There, there's times that it seems like we just can't help it, but we offend other people. But if we will put that under the blood, and we're going to get to how we can do this in a, in a little bit. And if we begin to walk with a humbleness, a trust in Jesus to forgive us, because we know we do this. But when we do it, when we acknowledge Christ and we humble ourselves and we live in a life of repentance, not only with God, but with our fellow man, are we willing to repent before our fellow man? And if we live in that way, we can be blameless because what, ha what it means is that God will not hold against us what we acknowledge in our life. When we acknowledge that we have failed, in fact, many times it is when we acknowledge our failures before other people that that becomes such a bigger light to them um, that what we thought was a stumbling block actually becomes a stepping stone. God can use our failures to turn them into stepping stones that other people can actually get closer to God because of our failures than, than without them. So we don't have to be afraid of our failures, but that comes from a heart of repentance um, and letting God work in us um, that does that. And so we can have the joy uh, of what God can overcome our own failures. Doesn't that release your heart to know that God can cause your own failures to work out to be good? That I don't have to fix everything. See, that's what Paul is saying. I pray that you would experience this sense of blameless that Jesus, Jesus gives to us. But not only that, but uh, you will be pure and blameless at the day of Christ. But it says that you will also be filled with the fruit of righteousness. I pray that you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, what is the fruit of righteousness? Let's look at righteousness, first of all. Righteousness, um, it is not... Um, many times we look at the, the literal sense of the word righteousness, which means right living. In other words, doing what is right. Um, so many people, like the Pharisees, they were constantly striving for the fruit of righteousness because they felt that they would gain a blessing by doing what was right. And they're missing the deeper meaning of righteousness. Righteousness really means to be made right with uh, someone uh, or with your ideal, the goal that you're trying to achieve. And, and in other words, uh, in our sense, uh, God is our goal. And even for the Pharisees, their goal was to please God, but they tried to please God by doing right rather than by being right with God. Um, this fruit of righteousness is not about you need to work on doing right, and then you'll be blessed. What he's saying is, I pray that you would experience the fruit, that you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which is the benefits of being right with God. Not the benefits of doing right for God, but that by being right with God, knowing that 
you are good with God, that you know what, you, you are accepted by God, that God has made everything right between you and him, that you are a child of God and he is pleased with you, that when you experience that righteousness, then there are benefits that come that way. There are life, there are blessings that God gives us because when you know that you are right, that you are um, uh, in the heart of God, the creator of the whole universe, and you're walking right with him because he loves you. You see, there's the benefit of his blessing upon you. There's the benefit of his favor in you that you don't have to be afraid. You know, you can face any danger because you say, if God is on my side, you cannot overcome me. So there's just a peace of knowing that I am right with God and there are benefits that come with that. But that righteousness, it says, the righteousness of God that comes through Jesus Christ. I am right with God, not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus has done for me. He has adopted me into the family. He shed his blood. He paid the price to make me right with God. And now I am loved by God. In fact, God watches over me. God has a plan for me. Uh, and I can rest and walk with joy knowing that I am right with God. This is what it means to be filled with the fruit of the righteousness of God. I can walk in the benefits that knowing that even when bad things happen, God is going to work it out. He's just going to work it out to where it's going to be for my good. Maybe hard for a while. I'm still going to have to go through it, but God is with me and he's walking through this. So this is the fruit of the righteousness. So you can see that all of these, and the, the fifth thing it says is to the glory and praise of God. When you know that your life is giving glory to God, you know what, there's a joy knowing that your, your life, everything you do and who you are is giving glory to God. That because of you, God is being revealed to someone in this world. Even if it's through your weakness and your brokenness and your failures, that God somehow is turning it into something beautiful to his glory. There is joy in knowing that I can bring glory to God. You know what? It's not about a prideful thought. In fact, it is humbling that God could use me to bring glory to his name. That God chooses me. That I am the reflection that gives him glory. In fact, God says, I don't want to show up myself and have them all glorify me. I want them to see you. And when they see you, I sit back as a proud father and I get the glory. You see, how great is it that we are the ones that he chooses to put out before and tell the world, look at my children, aren't they great? See, that's what God says about you when you live for the glory of God. So there is a joy there. So let's look at this. So how do we get these things? These are the things that bring joy in our life. The, the being able to approve what is excellent, to, to be pure and to be blameless before God on the day of Christ, uh, to, to be filled with the fruit of righteousness, 
that comes from Jesus Christ and all to the glory of God. These are the things that Paul says, I pray that you would have these in your life and they will give you joy. If you will just experience these things, you'll have joy. But let's go back to the first. Where do those things come from? Where do I get those things? Here's what he prayed. He says, this is my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you get all these other things. So all those benefits come when this happens, when your love abounds. Here's the, that's the key. When you begin to abound in love, when love becomes the foundation of your life, everything we do is out of love. When we begin to put aside hatred and anger and self-focus, you see, love is not focused on itself, but love is always looking outward. When we begin to change the focus of our life, it's not about me. In fact, you'll be happier when you stop living for yourself. The source of joy is in love, and love is always looking outward. When you begin to live in love, but not only live in love, but abound in love. I love this word, the word abound. I pray that you would abound in love. The word abound there is, is a, a no limit growth and increase that happens continuously. So it's not a one-time thing, boom, you just got big. It is a daily growing and I just keep growing. I pray, Paul says, I pray that your love will grow every day. And more than just loving, this is what he says, I pray that your love will grow with two things, that your love will grow with knowledge. He says, I pray that you will love more as you get to know more. Now, this word knowledge, uh, what it's not, it is not head knowledge. It is not, you know what, I wish you would just love God more the more you know about him. Many times that's what we do. We read the Bible to get to know about God. And yet that he's saying, I pray that you will love God more by getting to know him more and getting to know him more, not know more about him. It means an intimate knowledge that comes from experience. In other words, if you're going to get to know me, uh, you're going to have to have some experiences with me. There's going to be some memories of things that we've done together, of, of times that we've sat down and had conversations. You see, that's how you get to know someone. It's not about getting to know about someone. You can read all about someone and know when they were born and what they like, and, and you can learn all the, the facts about the person, but that's different from knowing me. From knowing me. See, I, he says, I pray that you would not only love God, but that you would know God personally. Because when you know God personally, a love goes deeper than it will ever go before. And you know what? We need to begin to share this. We have shared knowledge with our kids, but are we just sharing knowledge, head knowledge, or are we sharing the experience of God? Are we walking with God with our kids? Are we knowing about God and talking about God with our neighbors and with our coworkers, or are we sharing God with them? Are they seeing God in us? You see, we need to be careful to stop talking about God 
and begin to just start sharing God through our life. But that means we need to share life with God. We need to spend time getting to know God, saying, God, I want to know you more, not more about you. I just want to experience you. I want to have memories with you. I want to spend time with you. That's why Paul said, I count everything as loss compared to the richness of the knowledge of God. He said, nothing is worth knowing God. It's kind of like a man and a woman. It says that when a man and a woman was married and they knew each other, they were intimate with one another. That's what Paul says. I pray that your love would grow in intimacy with God. And not only your love for God needs to grow in intimacy, but your love with one another. You need to stop loving each other just because it's a choice. And you need to begin to start to know one another, even your enemy. Start to know your enemy, understand them. Start to see behind them that there's other things that motivate them, that they are struggling with things just like you are. When you get to know someone, all of a sudden, things change how you looked at them. That person who was so annoying to you, when you truly get to know them, you can begin to see what God sees in them. And God gives you a deeper love. So I pray that your love would grow in knowledge, but not only knowledge, but that your, your love would abound in discernment. This word discernment is different from the other discernment where he says that you may be able to discern what's excellent. This discernment is um, the word uh, aesthesis. Um, it not only means discernment, but in some translations it says insight. In other words, this is what it really means. Uh, to be able to know what the next right thing to do is. So it's like a wisdom that not only do you know about the person, but you know just how to show that love. So it has to do with the action. So this does have to do with action. I pray that your love would abound in discernment, that you will begin to see how you can show your love. I pray that you would begin to have a desire to see what the consequences of your actions are. And I want the consequences of my action to show love. And when you begin to see how your actions show love, that you can begin to plan, that you can begin to purposely live in such a way that, that shows love to that person. Because you know, everybody perceives love in a different way. Uh, you know the great book called the, the Five Love Languages. Some people uh, feel loved by gifts. Some people feel loved by words. Some people feel loved just by you spending quality time with them. Some people feel loved by just a special touch. Um, there's all different ways. So what he's saying is, I pray that your love would abound in knowledge, but also in discernment. How can I act in such a way that would show love? And that goes especially to God. I pray that you would begin to love God in such a way that you wouldn't just go through the motions and try and be religious, but that your love would abound with discernment. God, I want to find a way to show you how much I love you. I wanna be able to see, wow, if I will do this, I can really show love to God. Or if I can do this, it'll show other people how much I love God. 
So Paul's saying, I pray that you would have this desire to not only know him and love him, but to show it. I want to show it. I don't want to just feel it. I want it to just be shown in my life. And when you do this, when you begin to grow in love for God and for one another, and you begin to get to know God and get to know one another, when your knowledge flows out of love, you see, then you are able, going back to those other things, that's how you become blameless. See, you may mess up, but if you're living a life out of love that that is looking for ways to show love, then when you mess up, if you truly love, you see, then you will be able to make up for that mistake that you made. And when you make up for it, that will be even greater love to that person that you won't be a, a stumbling block, you'll be a stepping stone. So this is what Paul says, I pray that your love would abound with knowledge and with discernment. Because when you do, if you will choose to grow that love, now how do you do that? It, it, it comes from just a desire to be with God. There's the first step. You've got to want to know God. When you will choose to know God more than what he can do for you, he will lead you in a road, uh, down the road of growing in love and knowledge. When you begin to be willing to say everything I do is going to come from my desire to love God and love others. See, that changes why you do what you do in your life. Are you doing it just to please yourself? Or do you really have a desire, a discernment that I want the acts of my life, I want the choices that I make to be a reflection of love for God and love for others? That's a willingness to change some of your priorities. It may have to be a willingness to change some of the things that you do in your spare time. But I'm telling you, when you are willing to make those hard changes, which are uncomfortable at first, but in the end, they will bring all those benefits. You will find the ability to recognize what's really valuable you will find purity, you will find blamelessness, you will begin to be filled with the righteousness that comes from God, and you will begin to bring glory to God. In all, you will begin to experience the joy of what it means to live in this broken world, that even though we walk this hard path, God will give us a joy that goes beyond the prison cell. So let's abound in love. And in our love, let's grow in knowledge and discernment that we might experience the joy of the Lord. Let's pray together.